and welcome to this episode of Special Ed Rising, No Parents Left Behind. I'm your host, Mark Ingracia, and I have over 34 years of experience as a classroom teacher, parent coach, and advocate. This is a podcast for parents and caregivers of children along the spectrum of disabilities that welcomes everyone interested in learning about topics from the world of exceptional needs, educational services, health and wellness, fitness, nutrition for you and your child, and more. Thank you so much for joining me. And if you like the show, please subscribe, like, comment, and tell your friends about it. This episode is a midsummer report sparked by my experiences back working in homes with reminders of some tips and strategies for you to help you help your children and families. After that, stay tuned for a tip of the cap, your exceptional needs parenting tip, followed by your good news community share. And for some extra help to inform your journey, visit the resource page of my website, specialadrising.com. Now let's lay out a picnic blanket and soak up the summer fun on our way to another win. The summer is half over and I thought it would be a good time to review some of the reminders I've encountered working with clients that I hope can benefit you. Not that I necessarily needed a reminder about how difficult your job is as a parent of an exceptional needs child, but it's been a year or so since I've been back in homes full-time working with kids and parents. So again, it's in front of me in real time watching you have to juggle and deal with so much in order to attend to your disabled child's needs and those of the rest of your family. I know as a professional in the field how easy it is for us to assume that you can both hear and understand our suggestions and then carry out what seems like logical strategies to us, smoothly and consistently. (laughs) When you're done laughing, I'll continue. I feel your fatigue, but at the same time, I feel your power. You may stop to yawn and breathe, but then you dive back into your work. It's beyond impressive, and I considered you to be amongst the greatest heroes we have. Talking with parents about their concerns and lack of support from the system is incredibly frustrating to hear about. I just feel society has it backwards when it comes to helping those who need more to navigate this world. So keep fighting the good fight and seek advocacy when you feel you've done what you can but haven't been able to move the goalposts any closer. In reflecting upon what I'm coming across in my work with families, my beliefs in the power of schedules for those on the neurodiverse spectrum to help them through their days in a low stress and more comfortable manner has only grown stronger. There is almost immediate positive change once a schedule is implemented. Knowing the days and the week's happenings can take away the discomfort of uncertainty. Imagine walking into an unfamiliar room unaware of what's inside only to be confronted by something you're not prepared for over and over again during your days. That's the kind of stress-inducing feeling your child has moving through their days, and it's completely unnecessary. Creating a schedule doesn't eliminate the unexpected, but it covers the majority of the time and allows your child to manage change gradually and more cooperatively. If you're uncertain about how to start a behavior reward system to help eliminate negative behaviors like physical aggression, try starting off easy with a three-check system followed by a reward. Select a behavior you want to change and focus solely on that behavior for a couple of weeks. Then catch your child doing the appropriate behavior, example, safe hands instead of hitting when given a direction like put your dish in the sink. 
great job. You put the dish in the sink and kept your safe hands, meaning your child didn't become angry with the direction and never raised a hand to strike. Or they could become angry, but they don't raise a hand to strike. So you give them a check. For every three checks your child earns, they can select a prize from a prize box, small reward like a sticker or a pencil or a crayon or a rubber ball. If and until you desire a more comprehensive behavior reward system, which you should consult a professional to create, the three check system can start you in the right direction. It may ultimately be all you need, but time will tell. For small rewards, check dollar stores or buy in bulk from Amazon, Oriental Trading, Party City, or places like that. I know that confronting your child when you fear doing so may set them off can be a conundrum for a parent. It's often easier to give in to your child's demands in order to keep the peace and or cut yourself a break. But I promise you that all this is doing is reinforcing the idea that your child expects to get what they want when they demand it. In this case, they will never be able to learn about authority and responsibility, acceptance and patience. They may resort to aggression when not granted their wish, and this can become the cycle that is learned and expected to bear fruit for them. Creating a safe distance or personal space is important to keep you and your loved ones safe from aggression. Directly teaching why it's important to respect personal space is very helpful. You may want to have a cue card to hold up when a child is too close that expresses in pictures and words personal space. This can be a cue for your child to keep their distance. This takes time, but directly teaching using social stories, puppets, etc., and modeling, you can get this concept across to your child. By consistently expressing expectations that your child can learn and internalize, you can cut down on or even eliminate aggressions. By not accepting negative behaviors, meaning by not giving in to the behaviors, you establish new norms that can be learned, accepted, and followed. You need to confront calmly and communicate clearly what you want your child to do and then reward them when they listen to your directions or demands without the negative behaviors attached. When they do this, they are reinforcing the positive behaviors and gradually the dynamics may change and your child will very likely begin to make the appropriate connections and better choices. Giving options within a schedule gives your child some perceived power. The options are ones that are chosen and preferred by you, but by giving them a choice, your child will believe they are in control. This, along with time, patience, and consistency, are really important strategies. I'm being reminded of these each day, and although it can be an exhausting process at the beginning to establish a new approach, new strategies, etc., once they are in place, your life and your child's life can become lighter. Creating responsibilities at home is also a major step in the development of a responsible and more centered child. When children with disabilities do household chores, it gives them a sense of independence, explains Yvonne Spicer, an early childhood educator based in Toronto. It gives them the opportunity to learn a skill that they can take with them no matter what independence looks like for them as adults, whether they eventually live in a group home setting or on their own. Chores can give kids the skills to take care of their own needs no matter where they go. Research suggests that helping out around the house can have real benefits for kids and teens. According to the Journal of Developmental and Behavioral Pediatrics, doing chores early in elementary school is associated with self-confidence, positive social behavior, 
and self-efficacy. The journal also lists positive outcomes such as learning time management skills, developing organizational skills, accepting responsibility in the family, learning to function independently, learning to balance work and play, and more. While doing chores has positive effects on non-disabled kids, it can benefit the development of children with disabilities even more. So don't be afraid to teach a chore to your child and add it to their schedule. Lauding their effort or rewarding them for a job well done can reinforce and motivate them. Eventually, the goal is for the rewards to become intrinsic where praise may be enough. Helping with reward systems and chores is the social story. Creating one on your own using pictures of your child performing the desired behaviors or following the steps of a chore will help them to internalize the concepts. In addition, modeling for them will also be a huge help. I have a section about social stories on my resource page at specialedrising.com. Now, in some important legislation news, Senator Bob Casey, chairman of the U.S. Senate Special Committee on Aging, introduced new legislation to expand access to the Achieving a Better Life Experience, or ABLE, program. The ABLE Match, Making ABLE a Tool to Combat Hardship Act, removes some of the financial barriers low-income Americans with disabilities face when enrolling in the ABLE program, which allows people with disabilities to save more than the $2,000 asset limit required in many federal assistance programs, and was initially created in 2014 by Senator Casey's ABLE Act. ABLE accounts allow millions of families across the United States to save for the long-term care of their loved ones with a disability in a tax-advantaged savings account. The Associated Press hailed this legislation as the most important new law for those with disabilities in 25 years. Over the last nine years, the ABLE program has been a lifeline for thousands of people with disabilities across the nation, said Chairman Casey. However, there are still too many people whose lives would be made easier by the program, but don't have sufficient funds to open an account. The ABLE Match Act will make it easier for low-income people with disabilities to access the ABLE program and get the benefits they need and deserve. People with disabilities are more than twice as likely to live in poverty compared to people without disabilities. Yet, households including a person with a work-limiting disability need, on average, 28% more income to obtain the same standard of living as people without disabilities. For a long time, this intersection of disability and poverty was made worse by asset limitations for federal assistance programs that many people with disabilities rely on. The ABLE program has provided a workaround this problem for more than 144,000 people with disabilities across the United States who have saved on average $9,715. However, currently many people with lower incomes are discouraged from opening ABLE accounts because they do not have sufficient funds. The ABLE Match Act helps people with lower incomes participate in the ABLE program by creating a federal dollar-for-dollar match for new and existing ABLE accounts held by individuals that make $28,000 annually or less. The match then tapers off for each dollar a person earns over $28,000. This figure is also indexed to inflation and adjusted for heads of household and married couples. The ABLE Match Act will reward low-income people with disabilities for saving money for their disability expenses and health needs. This addition to ABLE program will help boost enrollment and improve the financial health of people with disabilities with lower incomes. As the lead sponsor of the ABLE Act passed in 2014, Senator Casey has long been a champion of ABLE accounts. 
His Able Age Adjustment Act has passed the Senate via the fiscal year 2023 spending bill. Senator Casey's Able Act signed into law in 2014 makes it possible for people who acquired their disability before turning 26 to save money without risking the loss of their federal disability benefits. His bipartisan Able Age Adjustment Act would provide 6.2 million additional Americans, including more than 1 million veterans, the opportunity to open an Able account and save for the future by extending access to people who acquire their disability between 26 and 46 years of age. This is the kind of legislation that I feel eludes a lot of people's awareness, and so I wanted to bring it to your attention. Another strategy or philosophy I am constantly reminded to share with families is that of mindfulness. Mindfulness in your daily life and interactions with your children. Mindful parenting is paying attention to your child and your parenting in a particular way, intentionally, here and now, and non-judgmentally. It can disrupt the automatic destructive cycle of negativity and disengagement. It can improve parent-child trust, emotional sharing, decrease parent stress, and increase a child's well-being. There are a number of mindful practices you can perform for yourself or with your child daily on the resource page of my website. Finally, the last reminder for me this summer is to look forward each day to the things I have a passion for or simply love to do to keep my mind and body healthy. This came about when I found myself feeling a bit grumpy about having to travel for work again. I'd gotten so used to the remote life. Ultimately, this was merely about getting used to the time I'd have to factor into my day for travel and knowing that it would take time away from things I've gotten accustomed to being able to do like having more time to dedicate to this podcast. We all have things we don't look forward to in our work and in our interactions with others that are necessary. For me, the way out was focusing on the things I could look forward to in my day. By doing this, I was able to keep a more positive perspective because I knew when the time was finally mine, I could do something that made me happy, like going to the gym or practicing my guitar or going for a run. Focusing on the happy things made the less thrilling parts of my day much more tolerable, and soon I had adjusted and a new normal was born, along with a more positive attitude, even for the things I wasn't as excited about. Give it a try. It's time now for a tip of the cap, your exceptional needs parenting tip. Today's tip comes from understood.org. When it comes to using rewards and consequences, let your child have a say. Giving your child a say about the reward he receives can make it feel more enticing. Consider creating a reward menu. If your child seems to be losing motivation after a couple of weeks, change the reward. But be sure to talk it through with your child first. Today's Good News Community Share comes from Disability Scoop. Autism diagnosis continues to evolve decades after case number one. Eighty years after its first diagnosis, people with autism are fighting to erase the stigma surrounding the disorder. In 1943, child psychiatrist Leo Kaner first diagnosed early infantile autism in Donald Triplett and attributed the disorder to poor parenting. Triplett, who later became known as Case 1, died in June at 89. J. 
Jillian Nelson is a policy advocate with the Autism Society of Minnesota, a nonprofit dedicated to supporting people with autism. According to Nelson, in the decades since triplets' diagnosis, autism has begun to evolve from something to be cured into a community of people. We're seeing the development of taking back this diagnosis from pathology to creating a meaningful culture and community, Nelson said. It's so powerful because when we find places that we belong, and when we're surrounded by people like us, there's so much support and understanding. Nelson was told she had autism when she was 21. Although her diagnosis made her life make sense, Nelson said she hid her autism for years due to stigma and lack of understanding surrounding this disorder. Finding other people in her community has helped support and validate her autism, Nelson said. However, she added people who do not experience ASD still view people with the disorder as others. We still look at individuals that have higher support needs and assume that because their challenges are more visible, that their lives are less valuable, Nelson said. Nan Hui, a psychologist at Caravel Autism Health in Duluth, explains that doctors diagnose ASD in children through testing, including behavioral observation, conversations with parents, and tools that have been developed in recent years to collect data, according to Hui. Hui added that technology has significantly advanced in the last 20 years to provide more accurate diagnosis for children, but treatment plans are still often not what families expect. Out of love and the hope for their children, some parents want autism to be cured, Hui said. Families feel this is something, a disease of infection that can be gotten rid of. Whether it's researching ways to activate kids' brains or simply joining in the playtime to encourage social interaction, Hui said the earlier a child is recognized and supported as having autism, the more their lives can be changed for the better. As far as current science tells us, this is a lifelong condition, and what we're doing through therapy is teaching kids how to manage, cope, and survive despite some of the barriers brought on by autism, Hui said. Children with autism have a lot of wonderful characteristics. They are different, but no less. Mom Shannon Swiegel first noticed her son Jack was developing slowly with social skills and speech when he was 14 months old. After continuing to notice signs of autism, doctors diagnosed Jack with ASD in 2020. It's not all doom and gloom. There's so much joy with our Jack, Swiegel said. He's made me a better parent than I ever would have been before because you have to be a very present parent and he's made me more open-minded about other people. I want to thank you again for listening to this episode, and I hope you'll join me each week to hear about topics new to you or close to your heart. I hope this podcast might inspire you to face your days more confidently, stirring a greater sense of self-love, mindfulness, and outpouring of goodness, and positive role modeling for your children, while remembering to attend to the areas of your own mental, physical, and if you're inclined, spiritual health, enabling you to be all you hope to be for them. All music heard on today's show comes from Jason Shaw at audionautics.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Special Ed Rising, and on my website, specialedrising.com. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts and tell your friends. You can contact me directly with questions, comments, or if you're interested in parent coaching through my email, specialadvising at gmail.com, or my contact pages on Facebook or my website. If you'd like to share some of your success stories with the audience, please send them to my email. Let's show the world what's possible. 
Also, let me know if there's anything you'd like to learn more about. And until next time, peace and keep rising.